0: four hours away from the return of the sjhl playoffs this is sj at noon your playoff preview edition rory McGoran, of course joined virtually as always by jamie Nugebauer, the news and already dusting off his golf clubs it's nick nielsen the special guest impartial view from the outside looking in But he'll bring all the insight coming from his playoff predictions as we break down the return of the SJHL playoffs after, well, nearly three years. Let's start with that, the excitement. It's back, the top eight teams, some amazing playoff series going to take place with games one and two this Friday and Saturday. But let's just start with how exciting it is for, I mean, Jamie, you'll be in it calling the hounds. Nick, I know the excitement still involves in in, inside you as well, just the return of it and being an SJHL hockey fan yourself.
1: Oh, absolutely. And like North Battleford's not too far down the road for me. So I'm probably going to end up getting to some playoff games this year because it's how do you avoid being in playoff hockey after we haven't had it for two years? Like, come on. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. As you can see, they're, uh, they're all rubbing uh, my head there. No, it's the, the Canalta cup. It's not called the Canalta cup anymore. I should say the SJHL championship trophy uh but boy oh boy it's gonna be fun it's been a long time since we've had it rory and nick 1819 was the last time someone won the trophy so that's crazy they're gonna have to dust that thing off speaking of dusting off golf clubs they got a trophy (laughs) to dust off rory
0: yeah it's crazy it's crazy to think that the only there's only one player left in the league that has t- tasted a championship victory. It's Dylan Esau of the Battleford's North Stars. So that's just how long it's been since, well, the SHL championship has crowned a victor.
2: Yeah, he played 12 games back in 2018-19 uh, on that great playoff run for the for the North Stars. And, uh, you know, that year, a lot of people said Braden Klamasco's team, we'll talk about the Stars in our preview in a second, but said, you know, this was a team that was recruited by other people and blah, 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 and it all kind of fell in Klamasco's lap. Uh, but obviously did an incredible job with it. And, and his club back then in eighteen nineteen, beating the Melford Mustangs in the finals. Uh, but, boy, they're looking good again uh, with his team this time, for sure. His fingerprints all over it. So uh, looking forward to it, Rory.
0: Well, let's start right at the top. It's the one-seed Estevan Bruins taking on the eight-seed Notre Dame Hounds. One and two at Affinity Place Friday, Saturday. Three to one was the season series. The one win for the Notre Dame Hounds. The most wild game of that eight, seven, back and forth that the Hounds got it done. But other than that, Estevan just had their way nine nothing in the first game seven to one in the third game and seven to nothing in the fourth game of the regular season outscored the hounds 31 to eight and if you look at the plus goals differential between the two teams there's about 170 that separate them so is there a chance and i'll start with you nick that the notre dame hounds last time we had a full playoffs eight seed yorkton upset one seed Nipwin i don't know if 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 the chances for notre dame are as great as it was looking back for Yorkton over Nipwin, but is there a chance for Notre Dame to pull off the shocker of the season?
1: Well, you take a look at how things ended at the end of the season. The Esteban Bruins did sputter a little bit at the end with losses to both Melville and Weyburn. So two of the lowest ranked teams in the entire league, um, especially that overtime loss there to Weyburn. That's always going to sting them a little bit more. I don't think they're going to steal the series away, though. I think if anything, Notre Dame has the chance to steal one game out of it. I think Austin Elliott in goal, Kevin Anderson up front, that line with him and Elliott Dutiel. I think those guys are good enough that they're for sure going to steal a game. I think probably in that 2-3 area of the, of the series, I think game 2 or 3 could go towards Notre Dame. Um, Esteban, I think their biggest enemy right now, I think the biggest question for them are going to be is goaltending right now. Uh, you take a look at how things are. Cam hurt Licka. He's my guy with that team right now. Save percentage uh, above ninety-seven point two percent in his last four starts, plus uh, two shutouts in that time, and he also made two relief appearances in there too. Below us has been a well a little bit struggling in the last little bit in his last uh, three starts. He was pulled twice, had a sub eighty-eight percent save percentage. So I think the biggest answer question for Esteban going into the playoffs is going to be in net, but. I think once they have, I, I think if they get that kind of first loss, like I said, in game two or three, it's going to kind of kick them into gear a little bit more. You know, I think they might go into that first game, cruise through, put through the effort, get the win. Game two or three, I'm kind of seeing maybe they'll stumble or falter a little bit. And then as soon as they get a loss, they're not going to be able to be stopped and they're going to end up winning that one in five.
0: Newsy, uh, before we get to your point, I kind of have a little storyline that I think encapsulates all four series, right? And the one for this one is believe. Because no one believes the Notre Dame Hounds can get it done. It's got to start in the room, has to start with the leaders. And the leaders, we know which five, including the goal, t- or six, including Elliott, have to be the best players in the series. You're the broadcaster for the Notre Dame Hounds. What is the belief? Because it is a, it's a tough and tall tasks going up against the Bruins but you have to think that the leaders do believe for the house.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, being around the team uh, at the last game there, the regular season for anybody that decided half the series that we're talking about today, ironically, that one game in Wilcox, uh, you know, uh, first intermission, I was like, man, if the guys play like this, then why not? But yeah, certainly they're saying, Rory, all all the right things, all the things you expect them to say. You know, Kevin Anderson is a kid that's got all the confidence in the world. Um, you know, Elliot Dutil is kind of the same. Jared Sitch is just even keel. The same guy every single day doesn't get too high, too low. So, yeah, they're certainly saying this, the right things that they believe very strongly that they can give the Estevan uh, Bruins a game. And we saw the first five minutes in that eight, seven game in Wilcox. You know, the Hounds scored three, four goals quickly, chased below yeah. us and heard Licka back and forth so you know it, it's going to be very interesting uh, you talk about believe you know the key for me and I always talk about in upsets Rory the thing that you need in an upset whether it's in a game it's in a series it's twofold first of all you need incredible goaltending that's just the bottom line you like if Austin Elliott and or Riley Osland, and I really have no idea who it's going to be Right now, probably Austin Elliott for game one, but I don't know going down the down the, down the the stretch. I have no idea. But you need incredible goaltending and you need incredible special teams. That's one and two for every uh, upset. And obviously, you know, this would be a huge upset, as big an upset, to be honest, as I've seen since yeah. I've come to the SJHL. And the last point I'll make is that key matchup for me is the Notre Dame power play uh, needs to really click. They have been very good all year. Fourth-ranked team right now going into the playoffs uh, at 21.6%, but that Estevan PK at 90.2%, uh, the most shorthanded goals in the League 2. So the Hounds have need to have great goaltending and airtight special teams.
0: And at 216 uh, for the Hounds in the power play, sorry Nick, is fourth place, and the Estevan Bruins 22.1%. Uh, so like it, it is neck and neck, third and fourth, in terms of their, their man advantage, and it'll be a big uh, – Mm-hmm. It'll be a big point in this series if Notre Dame, you know, they're going to have to keep games obviously tight. Hopefully, not that eight-seven. Also, you're going to want to try to limit the the firepower of the Estevan Bruins. It's almost impossible to do it, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it, they're going to have to. So,
2: yeah, Estevan was seven for seventeen on the play in the on the power play against Notre Dame in the four games. Ended up the team ended up scoring thirty goals, so. You talk about again. You know, I know them all very well, as you all know, and uh, believe in them a lot. When the hounds are playing really, really well, they're they're very good. But uh, they're they're not not very good. Has been not very good. So it's it, which hounds will show up that that'll see that that'll determine whether it's a series or
1: not. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah. And going back to the point you were making a moment ago here about shorthanded goals, Estevan having so many of them this season, a big part of that too, is going to be up against Notre Dame with that bigger ice surface. It means there's more room for guys to sneak away. And you know, those power plays, they have to try and use that space to try and uh, get something going in Notre Dame. And I think Estevan's going to have a little bit easier time breaking away with that, all that extra space. You know, they just have to, uh, stay in the passing lanes a little bit more. And I think that's going to open up a lot of opportunities. But on the counterpoint, the other thing I want to bring up here, too, is that there's a couple of guys that ship on their shoulders for Notre Dame going into this one. Antoine St. Ange traded away from Estevan earlier this season. Uh, Nick Sombrowski a couple of years ago, was uh, a guy who was cut by Estevan and then ended up getting picked up by Wayburn and now by the Notre Dame Hounds. And he scored, uh, when I was still calling with Wayburn, one of my favorite goals I've ever called, where Seven seconds left in the game, off a of faceoff, he wrapped it around the back of the net for a big game winner against the team that caught him in his first game back. So, uh, he, there's a couple guys there who I think are going to be looking to try and beat Estevan. Like they're, they're it's 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 going to mean a little bit more to those guys, I think. And when you have that connection, you know what the belief can be there, and I think it can make. Uh, I think it's going to make the series interesting, but I still think Estevan's going to wrap this one up in fairly short.
0: Well, prediction time, Nick. What's your call?
1: I've got Estevan in five,
0: Jamie. You're gonna make me make yes. a prediction. Yes, oh, I am.
2: <laughs> that's really really painful, uh, man. You know what? You got you. I, I I think it's kind of backwards, Nick, in some ways, to what you're saying about Estevan playing at the Duncan McNeil Arena. I, I actually think they like it less. Uh, you know, they've got great speed. They can you know, free wheel, but that, and, and obviously that there's a little bit more space, but you know, that's still an ice rink that the hounds are very used to and have played very well on lately. So, um, you know, I'm going to give, uh, give it to Estevan in, in six, but, uh, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's a big compliment to the hounds because I, I think they're much better than, than people think when they're playing their game.
0: I have this is the lone sweep of the series. I've Esteban four, but I do think that a couple of the games will be a lot closer than what we saw throughout the regular season. I think that Notre Dame's going to put up a fight, but just the experience on Mm Esteban, I think, will take over in a in a sweep that may surprise a lot of the players on Esteban too how hard it was. Although you look four straight games, but it'll be difficult for for the Esteban Bruins.
2: I just want to make just like one tactical point here. It's that it's it's a really in ideal matchup if I'm being 100% honest for the Hounds because Brett Pilkington is not a coach that wants his team to trap and sit back and wait. It's not like we saw the Yorkton Terriers have great success against the Van Bruins this year. Because they take away space, they sit back, they wait for their chances. Brett Pilkington and Mitch Parody and the Hound staff really want to develop individuals and let them express themselves and get out and play. And that's what the decision that they've made. They're not going to sit back and clam up and have five guys protect the house. Like They want guys to exert themselves. So, uh, you know, this Estevan team, 850 plus games of major junior experience throughout that squad rory and nick uh you know and guys who can still certainly still be there lots of U sports commitments already there so they got that off their shoulders a lot of familiarity we talked to eric Houck on sj at noon on monday about how many of those estevan boys are from regina and know each other so they're going to want to make this run special they're taking the sj seriously and um yeah it's a tall task for the hounds but i know they believe in themselves
0: Two versus seven is the Humboldt Broncos versus the LaRange Ice Wolves. Three to one, also the season series in that one. Humboldt Broncos taking three out of the four games. It was 3-2 in a shootout. 10-2 when they went up to LaRange, followed by a 5-1 win for the Broncos the following day. And then the lone game that LaRange won was the last one that they played. Three to one for LaRange in Humboldt. It's about 120 of a, of a differential between... The goal spread, uh, plus 121 for the Humboldt Broncos, minus 25 for the LaRange Ice Wolves. But um, this is an Ice Wolves team that totally reshaped itself coming into the trade deadline, and they've been one of the best teams since doing that. So a lot of people, I mean, it's no, it, it's it's definitely Humboldt on paper and Humboldt with depth, but if you're Scott Barney and the Humboldt Broncos, you cannot look lightly on this LaRange Ice Wolves team especially in the playoffs and how physical they play. Jamie, I know you call it the bully bowl because they both lead the league in penalty, in penalty minutes, number one and number two.
2: Yeah, 1,500 penalty minutes plus for each of these teams. So they're going to try to destroy each other. Another element for this is that the LaRange Isles and Humble Broncos have not played each other since November the 25th. So yeah, any kind of time. image that the Broncos have – in their heads of shellacking and i mean shellacking the the ice wolves in in larange uh back then uh you know are, are done and i think the last time they played i believe the, the ice wolves won so three to one yeah yep. yeah so it, it's a situation where uh if, you know scott Barnes is gonna have to dig through a lot of video and and find out and we'll see what the ice wolves uh you know my last point about this is that we'll see if the ice wolves how healthy they are how much healthy they are they haven't played you know, in, in a while, their season ended pretty quickly compared to everybody else. So if Holden Knights is right, he makes a huge difference. If McKillen Couture is right, he makes a huge difference. Obviously, the Broncos neck a lot deeper. Uh, but uh, you've seen the Broncos much more lately, you know, than I have. But uh, everybody knows how good the Broncos are.
1: Absolutely. I've seen the Broncos four times within the last month. Uh, we only won one of them. Yay. We won one. Uh, but besides that, it was, it was rough going. And I got to say like, from what I've seen and it, it, part of it's the amount of volume that I saw Humboldt in the end of the season, we saw a lot of Humboldt and a lot of North Battleford, but Humboldt looks just so prepared to play in the playoffs. I mean, there some games there, the, where the last game we played Humboldt, they absolutely dominated Kindersley all over the ice. Before that, they were close games going into the third. I think it was 3-1 in both of those games. One of them, Humboldt, keeps their foot on the throat and wins 4-1. The other one, they go ahead and win 7-1. And that is the biggest factor for me with Humboldt is that they do not know how to stop. They don't know how to take time off. They don't let you relax in the third. They could be up by five going into the final period. They keep the foot on the gas. And that Humboldt does not have a second gear. they have a gear it is go and that is it mm-hmm. um larange they have you know you say they've been one of the best teams in the league and that since the trade deadline that's true but their end of the season was a little bit inconsistent i mean you look at what they did in the end of the season uh they go up and they split games with a very good team in flin flan they lose 4-1 to a good Melfort team they win in overtime but they give up seven goals to a struggling melville team win over Estevan at the end of February, good enough and physical enough that I think LaRange is going to be able to take some games from this. I don't think this is going to be a walk in the park, but, Humboldt just seems so ready for playoff hockey. They're physical. Yes, they take penalties, but they kill them well. Their power play uh, works well with each other. They've got so many threats from every different angle. They just pour on shots from everywhere. That's the thing about Humboldt is they don't necessarily worry about the big, high-quality shots. They just put shots on net, drive it, and will get rebounds. And they've got guys who are skilled enough to get into those positions and take those good, high-quality shots, too, so... I still see Humboldt's probably going to take this before it goes to seven, but LaRange is going to batter him. LaRange is going to make this not so fun to play.
0: Yeah, absolutely. you mentioned the second period and what they do moving through the deeper the game is get the Humboldt Broncos 39 and 0. When leading after the second period, they never coughed up a single lead after 40 minutes of play all season and took 39 of their 45 games that they won. They were leading after the second. It's not like they needed to come back in the third very often or tie game in the third very often. 39 out of 45 wins, they were leading heading into the third period and they did not relinquish a single one of them. To me, my storyline here is the penalty kill. Nooges, mentioned it, the bully, the bully bowl, both teams lead the league in penalty minutes. You know it's going to be physical, but how can teams stay disciplined? Because the Humboldt Broncos have the number one penalty kill. The LaRange Ice Wolves have the last place penalty kill. As I mean, it's a big discrepancy as well. The Broncos 90.9 and LaRange at 74% successful on the kill. So if it does get physical based off the season, you 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 are, are a little bit undisciplined, let's say based off the season, it looks like the Broncos can handle killing penalties. LaRange, I think if they get into the same situation, the Broncos can end the series quick.
2: Yeah, it's a good point, Rory. The like over the regular season, the Broncos power play against LaRange was 30%. So, you know, it's a thing where in that rink, Kevin Kaminsky and the Ice Wolves want their team to play with brawn and bravado and machismo and hit people and be physical and be a little dirty. But, you know, the, that, that's fine and well until you start taking penalties. Uh, and I talked to Jordan Fry, the, the one-time Larange Ice Wolves goalie, who's been a great broadcaster and friend to all of us, uh, you know, over this year and, and hopefully beyond. And uh, he said, you know, the Ice Wolves can play if they just play hockey, like if they stay out of the box. And, you know, I, I always like to think that the, in that rink in LaRange, both LaRange's power play and the other team's power play should be really, really good because, you know, you don't have time and space to, to hang on and think too much. You got to have a simple power play and pound that puck on and get to the blue paint and bang it in. And this Broncos team, uh, Nikki, you said it, Uh, Has been playing that way all year like they go stick their nose in and they're heavy and they play hard and they beat you up like this Broncos team is not afraid to play any way you want so it's again he talked about the Notre Dame matchup being a bad one. Uh, for uh, for like the Estevan matchup being a bad one for Notre Dame, like this is a bad one, I think, too, for LaRange. I think maybe like a Yorkton would have been a harder series for for Humboldt. I mean, no disrespect. I think LaRange is going to come out really hard and play real hard. But again, on just tactically on paper, which doesn't mean much, but on paper, it's a bad matchup for LaRange.
0: If there is one... Se- go, go ahead, Nick.
1: And just to speak to that point, I, I do think that when it comes to physicality, that actually is the one edge that LaRange has. I think they've got enough guys in their lineup. Like you're looking at uh, Brandon Della likes to mix things up a little bit. Aaron Eyes, he's one of the, you know, more still not gonna guys be for Oh, he's going to be, he's still injured. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that. Well, that changes things up a little bit, but still overall, I think through the lineup, LaRange just plays a bit, Their style's a little more geared physically. I think Humboldt's very capable of playing that physical style, and I don't know if it's going to be much of an issue. I just think that if LaRange does want to get the wins in this series, they're going to have to try and enforce that physicality and slow the game down a little bit more.
2: Well, and that's it, right? Just quickly, sorry, Rory. Slow the game down is the key thing because – this Humboldt D core managed that puck. So well, they don't turn things over, they don't make mistakes. They keep it simple. They get it up to their forwards. So the Larange you can see two, three guys swarming a lot in the O zone for Larange So this Humboldt D bypasses them. bing, bang, boom. All of a sudden, Alex Saretsky way up the ice. All of a sudden, Connor McGrath is way up the ice and has a two-on-one, a three-on-two. So, you know, that that's kind of the what I mean by it's on, on paper, the styles are not a great matchup for larange
0: Final point for me is if there was a series that a goaltender needs to steal, it's Xavier Cannon and the Laurent Gacewals. It's this one. You look at Race Ramsey is the number one goalie in the league. The forwards group is deeper. The defense group is deeper for Humboldt, but Xavier Cannon is the X factor in this series. If he can steal a game in Humboldt and a game at home, and you're tied two-two going into Game Five, this is this is your goalie that needs to steal the series. My prediction, though, Humboldt in five. They win it at home.
1: I have the same thing written down, Humboldt in five.
2: Um, I'm not going to make any friends here, but I'm <laughs> going to go Humboldt in four. I think I think it's more of a sweep than the Estevan Notre Dame series.
0: Let's go on to three versus six. Nick, uh, before we get there, I know you have a hard out time, so if you do have to dispatch early, um, feel free. It's totally okay. We understand. But let's get I- into... You
1: get to set up this Jersey hanging up here in my office.
0: <laughs> he's, he's staying, he's sticking around uh, three verse six, the Melfort Mustangs and the Yorkton Terriers. Um, I'll just go right to my storyline in this one. It's mistakes because I think these two teams are possibly the most underrated neutral ice teams in terms of stuffing up the blue lines of uh, forcing mistakes and capitalizing on them. So mine is, which team can be cleaner throughout a series? A lot of people, if you ask, it's Melfort in a runaway early. Five seems to be the consensus, maybe six. I think this one is not being looked at as strongly enough for the Yorkton Terriers making it a series in seven, possibly winning it.
2: I don't know who these people are, (laughs) Rory. To be honest, like, well, you, re- you look
0: online and a lot I, of the player, a lot of people are picking Melfort. Sure. Like they'd they have 90% of sure. the votes.
2: Well, yeah. Melfort hasn't lost in regulation in a month. So, yeah. you know, fair enough. Melfort's coming in playing great, great hockey. There's no question about that, but you know, in a lot of ways, so are the York Terriers like Matt Harris guys can they play such a structured game Ni- neither of these teams have a lot of guys in the top 20 in in goals so I don't you know don't go expecting a goal fest uh, you know obviously we have Kale De Pape and one net Joel Favreau and the other Trevor Blevins' system for Melfort. we've got Tyson Jansen and Parker Jasper playing you know 60 minutes <laughs> if the if, if if Matt Hare could play Tyson Jansen and Parker Jasper as a Paris for 60 minutes maybe throw in some Sklaruk in there but You know, that that they're going to see a steady diet of those two that are the Melford Mustangs. And, uh, you know, they sit back, they wait, they'll they'll be patient, you know, hope for a couple of some magic from Keyshawn Gervais. It's going to be no fun for the Melford Mustangs.
0: And you're you're absolutely right. Before I throw it to you, Nick, there, Uh, if you take the two leading scorers off each team and then combine their total points, this is the lowest total you'll get. Nolan Dole with 60, Keyshawn Gervais with 43. So it's 103 total points for the leading scores. It's the lowest among all series. And it's also the tightest in terms of head-to-head goals. Uh, Melfort did win 3-1 to one in the season series, but the goals for was 12-11 to 11 across those four games. So you're you're looking at a series that's going to be hard to get scoring opportunities. They better capitalize when they do. Two outstanding goaltenders, Kale De Pape. Melfort actually has two outstanding goaltenders. You'd think it'd be Favreau off the bat, but... They're not afraid to throw James Venn in there if they have to. Uh, I I think this one, it's going to lean heavily on defense, on goaltenders, and on mistakes, preventing them and capitalizing on the other teams.
1: It's kind of a unique situation for Yorkton because with Matt Harris' teams, you're used to seeing two things. A real standout goaltender, which DePape is great, but I don't think the same quality that we've seen from Yorkton in the last while. You see that real standout goaltender, and you see – Fast paced, high offensive movement. It's so different this year, right? Kale DePape, he's still great, guy, absolutely a guy that you can be confident with between the pipes. But Yorkton's a nasty team to play against now. You take a look at that defense with Parker Jasper and uh, some of the other guys they have on there. It's going to be a hard, heavy hitting hockey in Yorkton's own zone. Um, Melfort. I don't know who I like better. Melford is coming in, I think, as the hotter team right now. Ten-game point streak, and uh, in the 11 of their last 13 games, they had points as well. A lot of scoring done by committee. Mm-hmm. They are very good through the middle, like you said, as well. Yorkton, they finished the season with a bit of an easier schedule. Two out of their last six games were against non-playoff teams, and, one of the, and the only game of those last uh, six they lost was against the Notre Dame Hounds. Uh, prior to that, they have wins over Flynn Flan and LaRange and a close 3 2 loss with Esteban as well. They play heavy, they play mean. This is not going to be a cakewalk series for either team. And in fact, one of the closest, I think it has the potential to be the closest series of the entire first round and the one that most eyes should be on because it's gonna be fun to watch. I don't know which goaltender I like better between Favreau and DePape. I'm leaning towards DePape early on. But I think I like the offense of Melfort just a little bit better than I like what Yorkton's bringing.
2: Well, I love, I, I'm really, really fascinated uh, to see that matchup between uh, Parker Jasper, Tyson Jansen for Yorkton and that line of uh, Dole uh, on one wing and Lopez on the other and Tkachuk in the middle. Because that line has been just like unstoppable lately for Melfort. And then that deep pairing is you know, one of the best shutdown pairings in the SJHL for sure. So that'll be a, fan, a fascinating matchup. And then if if the Jans and Jasper pairing could shut them down with the Papé behind him, then, you know, is somebody else on Melfort uh, going to st- stand up? You know, maybe a Curtis Hammond or a Ty Sugars coming back or a LaRue, you kind of go down the list. But, uh, man, it, it, the tactical battle in this is going to be fascinating.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I have written down here. edge to the Papé, edge to Melfort forwards defense pretty spot on even in my mind in terms of ability to change a series so pick your poison I got Melfort doing it but it's taking seven games they're gonna do it at home in game seven
1: I've gotten Rory I, I don't like how much you and I are thinking <laughs> this i seven myself as well whoo <laughs>
2: man like it's so did you hard. not
0: think beforehand jamie before coming was, on the show i like, was right i was calendar. hoping
2: to not have <laughs> to make any predictions which i guess was a <laughs> foolish uh a foolish decision yeah um, a playoff preview show sure. you know what you know what uh like the soul the soul in zach mcintyre and the soul in Keyshawn gervais and the soul in tyson jansen like they they speak to me man like I'm going for a Yorkton shock in seven. There
1: you go. In seven, you know what eight, like though, I like? Yeah. I, I think with uh, two of us taking Melfort and one, and you straying away and taking Yorkton there, I think that actually just goes to show how close this series has the potential to be.
0: And yeah. all three of us picking it in seven, too.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: And Cale I- DeVape just makes the, the save. Like maybe he lets one in. Maybe he doesn't look the prettiest. Maybe he's not seven foot three, but man he competes he'll make a save when you need it and he's done that all year for Yorkton.
0: biggest discrepancy because we've talked about special teams the other the other two series is the power play the the PK is spot on really even three and four in the league but it's the first place power play of the Melford Mustangs going up against the Yorkton Terriers who at 13.8 percent they need to be better
2: yeah but the and and like again, we you wipe all those, like you, 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 those stats are very important for us to analyze the series, but with Zach McIntyre in, it's been a little better because oh, sure. that they sure. have to set, you know, they set McIntyre up for that bomb. It does, it still doesn't, it let's call a spade a spade. It has to be better. You're absolutely right, Rory. But with McIntyre bombing it from the half wall there, that definitely isn't as a weapon, but the, you're absolutely right. The Melford power play has been outstanding lately.
0: Good, Nick, to move on?
1: I'm happy with that.
0: Four versus five. The Battlefords North Stars, unable to leapfrog into third place and pass Melfort, losing their final game on home ice against the Nordic Hounds. But it does set up for an unreal series, Battlefords and Flinflon. And it was the only one so uh, out of the four that their season series were tied. 2-2. Two, two, the goals four was 13-11, favoring Flinflon, actually, the fifth uh the fifth seed over the fourth seed, but it was even in the season series. And this is the biggest one that depends on home ice advantage. All wins in the, in the regular season were won by the home team. And if you can steal a game on the road in the playoffs, I think this is where it has the most weight in this series.
1: Absolutely. I. Uh, th- this is... You know, we were talking about how Yorkton and Melfort might be the closest series of the of the first round here. This is the other one that's fighting it for it right now. You know, I think Melfort Yorkton's one that people might sleep on and not watch just because of the, you know, the, some people seem to think it's going to be a runaway for Melfort. If you don't have your eyes on this series already, something is wrong with you. Flimflon and Battleford <laughs> is going to be a lot of fun. I think coming down to goaltending matchup, you know, I like to start there and work my way out. I think I like Cal shell just a little bit better than Austin Schwab right now. Of course, Austin Schwab, his sample size has been a little bit smaller. He's only played 11 games in the SJ this year um, after coming back to the North stars. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt from what we've seen. Um, but I saw him a fair amount at the end of the season here. Kindersley played North stars, I think three times in uh, their last like 10 games or something like that. And I don't know. There was a couple of times where I thought he might've been a little bit shaky on the rebound control at times. Cal Schell, he's just been fantastic this year. Um, solid goaltender. I like the way Flynn Flon plays in front of him. With Xavier LaPointe on the point, I think Flynn Flon does a really, really good job of getting their defensemen involved in the offensive threat. Um, not to say that Battlefords don't, and that guys like Riley Little, guys like that uh, step up a lot too. Um, we've seen Sam Steele step, uh, a step up. Sam Witt gets into things. Or sorry, Wilson Steele. And uh, Sam Witt getting, stepping up into things a lot with that team too, as well. So there's a, uh, it's a really even matchup again, where it's kind of like, I think Flynn Flon might have the edge goaltending defensively. It's hard to argue against Flynn Flan having Xavier LaPointe. That just seems like a trump card defensively and up front, I don't know. It's so tight with this series. I really don't know how it's going to go whatsoever and that when we first were talking about predictions, I literally just wrote toss up and then go from there. And <laughs> so I don't know. This is gonna be this. I I think this series should be the most fun series of the first round.
0: And right. you before before you take it, it's the only series actually where the lower seed has a better goal differential in the regular season. Flint Flan plus forty eight, Battleford's plus thirty three. So it's the only it- series with that with that storyline.
1: And it's weird on that storyline, too, because what, uh, Flin Flon's got one less goal than North Battleford so far. I keep calling them North Battleford, but it's the Battlefords. Anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, Flynn Flon's got one less goal uh, throughout the season than Battleford does. And yet, for some reason, I, I feel like I like their offense better. And I don't know why that is. It's just kind of a based off feeling. Mm -hmm. Keep in mind, I haven't seen Flynn Flon play since January 25th. And it was only one game before that. It's been since October. So, and it's, it's been a long, my sample size and what I'm looking at for Flynn Flon is, is a lot of outdated stuff. And they had uh, a little bit ups and downs near the end of the season, but I don't know, just something about Mike Reagan's rink playing at the Whitney forum. Like there's just something about that home ice advantage that they have. I think Flint Flon is able to steal a game in Battleford at some point, but I also think Battleford's got that capability too. So it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out. I have no clue what's going to happen.
2: Well, to, to throw some stats at the situation, uh, the, the Flin Flon bombers 21, six and two at home. Battleford's nineteen eight and two at home. So Battleford's is the best power play in the league at home. Twenty six point four percent. Flint Flon is third. But here's here's the interesting thing that I think gives Battleford's the edge in this series just slightly, is that Flint Flon's goal differential is plus forty nine at home, and it's actually minus one on the wow. road. Um, and Battlefords is, a, is much more close what you kind of would expect, like a plus 28 at home and a plus 5 on the road. You expect, like, a difference there. But, like, plus, plus 49 to minus 1 uh, is tough. But the thing that about the Flin Flon Bombers lately that, that is kind of, you know, the, the analytics people maybe, I don't know how closely they're paying attention, but the analytics people got to be scratching their heads because the Flin Flon Bombers, uh, you know, the last while have not played bad hockey at all, like they've put up a lot of shots, they pumped a ton of shots on Austin Schwab, for example, recently when they played each other the third last game of the season or something like that. And Austin Schwab made like 48 or 49 saves for for Battleford. So the, the <laughs> analytics say maybe that the bounces are going to go flint flans way a little bit more because they're not playing badly at all. And they have Cole Vardy back You talk about Xavier LaPointe being a cheat code on the blue line, and he is the best defensive in the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. Uh, he's got his buddy with him back now. Like, you know, so things are just got to go in. Things have just got to work out. You think the, the the average, law of averages say for this uh, Flynn-Flawn team, but you say which team is more likely to win on the road based on the numbers. It's, it's Battleford's and they've got Dylan Esau, which we talked about, um, you know, in the lineup. The, the last thing I'll say is that, uh, in 1819, these two teams played each other in the playoffs in the first round. If you guys can remember, and oh, yeah. that game went seven.
1: Series. That
2: series went seven, four overtime games of that seven. One of those games went to three overtimes, and eventually Battleford's obviously went on to then sweep Yorkton and then and then beat Melford in the finals. But uh, that was that was incredible, and this is going to be incredible.
0: Yeah, it's absolutely going to be. Uh... A series to watch if your hometown favorite team isn't playing that night uh, to tune into the Battlefields and Flintflon. You mentioned it. That 2018-19 series was absolutely insane. Um, yeah, yeah. I just think the Whitney Forum uh, is is harder a building to win in than um, Access Communication Center in the Battlefield. So mm-hmm. I think Flintflon can take one on the road. And then I think they win all the, the first three games they get at home and they take this one in six.
1: I'm flip-flopping a little bit. I had it written down originally as flip Flon in seven. Talking through things and looking at things a little bit deeper. There's one stat that really sticks out to me in this. And it's one that Battleford's really takes advantage of is that they don't get very many power play opportunities. They so far in this uh, through the regular season, Power play opportunities for Battleford has been the least in the league at 159. That's like 60 less than Weyburn in uh, second in that stat. And still Battleford manages to put up pretty solid power play numbers. Flin Flan, they don't take very many penalties themselves. I think they're sitting fourth in penalty minutes and second last in actual time shorthanded in the year. Battleford's really good at taking advantage of those opportunities. And if they can continue to do that, I think their power play struggled a little bit at the end of the season. If the Battlefords can win this the special teams game, I'm going to give it Battlefords and seven. I'm going to switch what I had originally written down. Battlefords and seven. I,
2: I think for the first time this year, the Flynn Flon Bombers are actually healthy. Um, and I agree with you about the Whitney Forum. I don't know about Jake Southgate's health. Uh, I don't know. We see Michael Harash, even though Austin Schwabi talked about him. He had a 940 something save percentage the last five games there in the season. But, uh, you know, the the eye test is still that this is a kid that hasn't played a ton lately. So it's hard really to judge him. And then he's going into the playoffs in the Whitney Forum with the zoo, they call it, uh, hanging over him. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say that, uh, you know, I love Chile. I love Braden Klamasko, but I'm going to take Flynn Flon in six just because of the, the health factor and how many games the Bombers have had, the, the, the Stars have had to play lately and uh, yeah, just, just that Whitney Forum factor. So I'm going to say Flint one right. and six.
0: I'll give you this too. March 15th, I believe it was, if I'm correct, all restrictions in Manitoba lifted. They're later than we are here in Saskatchewan. You're getting your first playoff game as the first game with no restrictions in the zoo? Are you kidding me? that That is going to be a wild atmosphere. Yeah.
1: Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy, that's there good.
0: Go. And, and also, I, I just want to know if you guys know the answer. Xavier LePoint ended up leading his team in points at the end of the year. When's the last time a defenseman led his team in points? I'd have to do some serious digging on that one, but I can't. I can't remember one.
2: Uh, like any team, like that seems possible. No, that... oh, no, it's
0: possible. I just I couldn't think of it when I was trying to. It was like Doug since Scott. I've been here, well, not not when not in the full season. Oh, okay, I yeah. don't know. Anyways, um, got to... Bombers in six, is what you said too, Nugsy? Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, we're not going to do our championship predictions next because after the first round series, we'll regroup again and break down round two. Uh, if you're watching the show and want to leave your comments, of course, about who you think will win the first round series, please do. Please share. It's our SJ Noon playoff preview show uh, for round one. Nick, thank, as, uh, thanks as always, and enjoy some playoff hockey.
1: Thanks for having me. I'll go back to shining up my golf clubs as you guys have been so nice. <laughs> I'm
0: sure okay. the swing's looking great though. I'm sure the swing is looking great. Nugsy, always a pleasure. Best of luck down uh, in Esteban Friday. I'm sure you're having a lot of excitement. I know you got to call some playoff hockey, mm. but it was the Survivor Series. It's the yeah. first time in a best-of-seven series for yourself.
2: Yeah, this is going to be game 180 for me, calling uh, for the Notre Dame Hounds Junior A and game six. Of a playoff game and game wow. one of a best of seven series for a Notre Dame Hounds junior eight team. So there you go. Can't wait. Or- Can't wait.
0: Wherever you are, whoever your favorite team is, I mean, playoff hockey is back for the first time in two and a half years, however long it's been. It seemed like forever. So get your tickets if you can, support your team, watch hockey TV, tune into the radio, do whatever you can because hockey is back. Playoff hockey is back. And the excitement across the province uh, is rightfully immense. This has been your SJ at Noon Playoff Preview Show. We'll be back on Monday and recap games one and two on SJ at Noon, normal time. Myself, Noogsy, Nick, thanks so much. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks after round one.